the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You say that you don't believe in God. That's fascinating because even the demons believe, but they shudder. You can say you don't believe, but there are perils to that unbelief, as we'll see next. Coming to you from Reformed Heritage Church, right here in San Jose, and online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. We are back in Romans today, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 11. Pastor Gary has called today's broadcast, The Perils of Unbelief, and indeed, you are experiencing perils of a variety of sorts. Should you choose to disbelieve the beauty and majesty of God, the glory of Christ? And that's what Paul is laying out for us here in chapter 11. For more, here's Pastor Gary on today's Abounding Grace. You've probably wondered why in this age of tolerance and universal hugs and everyone just accepting each other, why there's so much division. And why men are emphasizing those things that divide gender, sexuality, nationalism, ethnicity, and other such things. One of the reasons for that is because when men do not see life from God's perspective, they always emphasize secondary differences. And those become badges of honor, things like your skin color, your social class, who your sports teams may be, your political affiliation. But God says those are not the main divisions. That is not what ultimately makes men different. What makes men differ, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4-7, is God's grace. God's grace is what makes men to differ in terms of salvation. It is what makes men in the church differ in terms of the gifts you and I each have. It is God's grace that makes men to differ. But when we forget this, when we don't look at life from God's perspective, we start emphasizing those secondary badges of so-called honor. Well, I'm this, or I have that, or I look like this, or this is my preference. Look at me. You know, the Jews thought like that. And this led them into very, very deadly nationalistic pride and spiritual blindness. Okay, look at us. We have Abraham for our father. Look at us, the temple, the temple, our ceremonies. This is the kind of thing Paul is discussing here in this passage of Scripture. 
And unfortunately, many nations have followed the Jews, bad example, not the least of which is us. How many people in this land look at all things American as being good and exceptional and everything else is just second class? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.16, we judge no man after the flesh, which means we don't look at men in terms of those external things. Those are of tertiary tertiary importance. But that's not how we judge men. We should receive our primary attention. What should receive our primary attention is that God intervenes in the lost race of men and saves sinners by his grace alone. That is the main way we should look at life. And if we believe this, and then we are ready to pray for all men, love all men, and desire their salvation. We then don't judge men by their skin color or those other things that cause so much friction within the culture. But we judge them as image bearers of God who must repent and believe the gospel if they are to escape misery on this earth and judgment in hell forever. And of course, in this way, when we look at life in terms of God's grace, God's election as being the primary things that differentiates men, then we are also in the position of being deeply humbled by God's goodness to us. Because if we have been rescued from our sins, it is not because of our skin color. It is not because of our social class. It is not because of our intelligence. In fact, it may very well be despite all these things, but it is because God had mercy upon us in our filth. Verse 7, which is where we pick up today, Paul's question, what then, vividly brings this out. The Jewish nation was outwardly God's people. We've already studied this in verses 1 through 6. But the majority forsook God's covenant, and they were cut off from its promises. They rested in the bloodline. We have Abraham as our father. That was the madness that the prophets continually rebuked the people for. Just read Isaiah. Read Jeremiah. Read Ezekiel. Bloodline won't save you because God never saved you or brought you to be his people in the first place because of bloodline. When the Lord Jesus came, he said that the Jew said, we have Abraham for our father. Just read John 8 this evening. How dare you say that we're not really children of God? Jesus said, if Abraham were your father, you would believe me because Abraham, your father, believed in me. He looked forward to my day and he saw it and he was glad. But Abraham is not your father, he told those Jews, because you don't have the faith of Abraham. In fact, he said in John eight forty four, you have a different father. Your father is the devil because the works of your father you do. 
So because of this apostasy, as Paul says here, Israel did not attain what it sought after. It did not attain salvation. It did not attain righteousness. We've already studied in chapter 9 that they sought after righteousness, but it wasn't according to God's promise and his hope and in his mercy through Jesus Christ. It was, well, we've got the promise. We have the ceremonies. We've got Abraham. We have our Jewish ethnicity So they didn't attain righteousness. Those who did, verse 7, notice there, this very critical word, obtained it by election. Election. Now we should already be ready for this, because this sort of ties up some of the teaching from chapter 9 and chapter 10. But let me remind you again, whenever we read the word election in Scripture... Our next thought is not to be, well, that's why we're Presbyterian. Whenever we read the word election, we are reminded of one thing, and we must be reminded of it again today. Salvation does not lie in us, but in God's mercy and grace to sinners. That's what election means. That's why all the Jews, or the majority of them, did not obtain Righteousness. They did not obtain the promise of God because they did not seek it by faith. They sought it by, we can do it. We're good. We'll obey these laws. We have these ceremonies. We have Abraham for our father. No. God's grace it was, is what makes a difference in men's life. Not the outward things. God didn't give the Jews the laws and the ceremonies and the covenants for them to rest in them. He gave them these blessings so that they would run to the giver and say, we are undeserving of them and we thank you for your grace and we need your mercy. We are unclean and we thank you for giving us cleansing and righteousness through the promise of your son. But that's not how they responded. Chapter 9, verse 32, beginning with verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore or why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, who is Christ. You see, all the gifts God gave them throughout history, the wonderful things we read about in the Old Testament, deliverance after deliverance, this should have taught them grace, God's favor to the undeserving, but it didn't. Instead, his gifts filled them with pride. They persecuted the prophets. They killed them. And then when the Lord of glory came, they said, This is the heir. Let us kill him and seize the inheritance, and it will be ours. So we need to remember, brothers and sisters, that the moment we turn away from God's grace, his undeserved kindness for sinners, which is a recognition of, I, Gary Wagner, have nothing to obtain God's favor. Nothing I've done in the past, 
nothing I'm doing now, nothing that I will ever do in the future, nothing. There is nothing in me but uncleanness and filth before the holy, holy, holy God. And yet he had mercy upon poor sinners such as us. We must believe in God's grace. We must hold fast to the promise of his word. Because the moment we trust ourselves, our own works, our feelings, we are cut off from God's favor. You know, when Israel thought about God separating them from the idolatry of the nations of antiquity, they should have been deeply humbled and reminded, wait a minute, we were no better than the rest of the nations. He said, in fact, you were worse because you have been stubborn and stiff-necked from the very beginning. Now, that generation listened to Moses, and the next generation listened and remembered. But most of them after that did not listen, and it resulted in them being cut off from God's covenant. So the first of two times today, I will ask you, What of us? All of us have heard the gospel. Some of you have heard it for many years. Some of you have heard it for just a few years. And some of you even less. All of us have been baptized. We've partaken of the sacraments. We worship God with his people. Are our hearts humbled by his goodness to us? Do we have any sense of wonderment that God would save me? Or are we too busy looking at this and that and thinking about our problems and trying to keep up with these people and those people? Nothing seems to fill us with wonder anymore. You know, that is another reason to separate from the stupidity and the constant distraction of our age. Because it makes the soul unable to be amazed anymore. We need to be amazed by God's grace to us. And then, of course, remember what these blessings cost the Son of God. He was our ram in the thicket. It was the knife coming upon us, the knife of judgment that we deserved. And what did God do? He sent His Son, and His Son took the knife of justice that we deserved. So, brothers and sisters... If you have repented and you believe the gospel today, it is because God graciously chose you. It is because of election. It is the grace of God that made the difference in your life. It wasn't because we were smart or good, because we were neither. God loved us when we were filthy. He loves us now despite our continuing sins. And he set his son to die for us when we were what? God's friends? No, Paul says when we were God's enemies, he sent his son to bear our judgment. And by the way, just practically, Monday through Saturday, this is the way we remain humbled Grateful, joyful in obedience when we remember 
that a holy God loved me in my filth and saved me in my wickedness. If we ever lose sight and a sense of wonder and grace, we might as well go home, beloved, because everything else is going to fall away when we lose sight of the holy God that saved me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Losing sight of the wonder of grace is the reason we are like children. I need something new. I need a new program. I need this. I need that. Why are my spiritual batteries drained? Why do I need to be recharged? Let me go listen to this preacher over here and let me go listen to that one and let me see if someone will be able to fill the emptiness of my life. Nothing will fill it, beloved, except humility and joy and gratitude for God's grace to us in Jesus. And then we don't need to be like children, scattered, looking for everything new. We will be content and happy before God for His goodness to us. But notice what happens if that's not true at the end of verse 7. It is perilous to lose hold of God's word. What then? The election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. You see, the Holy Spirit adds this here to encourage us to praise God for His grace and to hold fast to His word. Because what happened to Israel when they turned away from God's grace and said, we can do it. Just look at our bloodline, look at our ceremonies, look at our our temple, look at our ethnicity. What happened to them? They were hardened. The verb here is passive because God is, of course, the one doing the hardening. This is God's judicial hardening. His punishment against those who have heard his word at some level professed it, and yet who turned away from it. It's interesting that Israel did not cease being religious after God hardened them. They they continued to actually pursue righteousness. We saw this earlier. But God hardened them so they couldn't pursue it correctly. They pursued it by, I can do it. I'm a good person. I'm connected to Abraham. I've been circumcised. I go to the temple three times a year. But God takes his word much more serious. Men think it's nothing. Oh yeah, I've heard God's word, but I'm not going to think about it. Or I'm just going to reject it altogether. For most today, the gospel is just another religious story from antiquity. And the Bible is just a collection of pious myths. The example of the Jews shows us what comes of having God near to us with his word, but then us just putting our fingers in our ears and choosing something else. Now granted, our sources of authority and tradition are different than the Jews pursued. They, of course, wanted the rabbis, the past history. We trust science. We trust technology. We trust expert opinions. God says, and listen now, the reason men choose these false gods is because he has hardened their hearts. 
so they can no longer receive the love of the truth and be saved. You have my word. I gave you my preachers and you reject them and you chose science over revelation and you chose experience over thus saith the Lord. I'm hardening you because you have treated my words with contempt. Beloved, he's doing this throughout the West today. Not every single Westerner, European, or American has heard God's truth, admittedly. But it is our heritage, and the majority has rejected God's truth, and he has hardened us as a society. He has hardened many of us in the church that we can continue to hold religious services and keep up the trappings of religion. But there is very little respect for God's word, except maybe as one of the traditions among many. But should not what happened to the Jews make us tremble? That it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God? When God gives us his word, we must treasure it, regulate our lives by it, and love it, and pray it, and cling to it, because it preaches his grace. Now, where does that meekness before God's word come from? I'll go right back to what I said before. It comes from humility and gratitude for his grace to us. Today, grace has turned into license. Oh, feel good and giddy. Do your own thing, all in the name of Jesus. We've heard people say, you know, it's okay to cuss, because we're free in Jesus. Sin a little bit, show your sonship, show that you're free in Christ, and you're not bound by any of these laws. Oh, that's not grace. That is Philistinism. It is libertinism. When we truly embrace God's grace, what is our response? We are humble before God. We are thankful for his word and we devote ourselves to it. But notice here, verse 7 and continuing in verse 8. If men won't do this, God doesn't just sit idly by. He's armed with power to punish those who reject his word. Now you know what happens. Because God doesn't send down lightning from heaven and inflict everyone with pestilence and all of our skin just oozing with sores and worms. We think, okay, well, you know, maybe there are some really, really bad people out there that God deals with like this, but I'm good. I'm just fine. You know, we learn from verse 8, for example, that God gives far worse judgment than those we think of in terms of Hollywood movies. Paul quotes a verse from Isaiah 29.10 and Deuteronomy 29.4 in which the Lord said, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. What is this? This is a sleepy spirit that can no longer respond to God's word. It can no longer distinguish between truth and falsehood. It can no longer tell the difference between what is important versus what is nothing but a distraction Or child's play. And then he adds to it. He'll make their eyes unable to see. And their ears unable to hear. Turn with me if you will to Mark chapter 4. As soon as he was alone. 
his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Wow. The purpose of the parables was not to make the truth clear. The purpose of the parables was to make the church, the truth obscure as a token of judgment upon rebels against God's word. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.